For most men, there comes a point he has to man up and lose some weight. Most fall over the first hurdle, trying some extreme diet or fitness regime that's simply too hard or unrealistic to keep up. That's why Manshake was created, the simple and effective way to lose weight. So join us at themanshake.com.au and get started today. Monday the 3rd of July, welcome to Afternoon Sport, Dan McHugh here, I'm joined by Shad Wicker, how you doing mate? Mate, I'm good, I'm good Dan, how have you been my man? I uh, had a terrific weekend, I saw the Jets play uh, up in Newtown, uh, but I believe you saw the uh, the battle for slash of Brisbane. Yes I did, it's the battle for Brisbane or of depending on which team you're going for in the battle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was at the Gabba, which I, I, I think someone can correct me if I'm wrong here that's listening, but I'm pretty sure it was the first rugby league game to be played at the Gabba since 1950. For real? Yeah, so a bit of a, a moment in history there. The Bronx are obviously playing there because the FIFA Women's World Cup have taken over Suncorp to get things ready for the tournament. To prepare the pitch, yeah. Um, and it was a great game of footy. Should there be more games at the Gabba? Oh, no, no, no. Suncorp's still the best place to watch rugby league. Come on now. Come on now. It's just, just, just happy. Uh, just good. happy that it was okay. All right, today on the show, we'll be discussing <laughs> the Ashes, tennis, the Women's World Cup, AFL, rugby league, and more. Someone you love could die of a sudden cardiac arrest at any age, any fitness, at any time. More than 80% happen at home, and chances of survival decrease by 10% every minute. And sadly, in Australia, around 50 people die from cardiac arrest a day while waiting for the ambulance to arrive. But now, you can increase your chances of survival with CellAid, the world's first mini personal defibrillator. It's simple to use and as small as a block of chocolate. Every home should have a CellAid. It's really a lifesaver. Buy your CellAid at CellAid.io. That's C-E-L-L-A-E-D dot I-O. So, Shad, the women's Ashes, their games continue as the two teams had a T20 match over the weekend. And it was a close game. Yeah, man. It came down to penultimate uh, ball, actually. So, uh, England, 153, uh, seven wickets. Australia, the women getting 154 on the second last ball of the uh, of the entire overs, of the last over. So, it was a big win for us Aussies. We're, in, we're smashing it at the moment. All right. This women's ashes is in the bag. I'm just going to come out and straight up say it. We're killing England right now, and it feels so good. It does feel pretty good. <laughs> Having a look at the men's ashes, game two, we've taken that out. We have, mate, and it was in interesting fashion as well. The women's was a hotly contested contest down to the penultimate ball. The men's uh, steeped in controversy. Uh, the wonderful wicket I'm sure everyone has heard about over the last 24 hours. Uh, wandering off the crease is something that you should not do. Uh, I think we all know that, even on the basic levels of backyard cricket. But apparently the Poms don't take that uh, <laughs> advice properly. And that stole us a cheeky little wicket and uh, eventually winning us the second test. We are up 2-0. And we are hated by not only the Poms, but the entire cricket world, apparently, yeah, but isn't, because of this cheeky wicket. Isn't the, that's called the man-cat, isn't it? Isn't that done in bad faith? No, man-cat's man cat's the, other, the other way, where the bowler hits the uh, wicket on his side when someone's out of their crease, which is a little bit more cheeky. Um, but that was also done because the... Um, they were running off their crease a little bit too much that was outside of the gamemanship. But this was uh, more a ducking. So basically they ducked a, a bouncer and then standing up, thinking that the over was done, but the umpire hadn't called end of over. He wandered out of his crease by a couple of metres 
and we just lobbed one into the stumps as he wandered down the pitch, got ourselves that cheeky wicket, and it was booze for the rest of the day. Yeah, that deserves a boo. That deserves a boo, I reckon. <laughs> oh, come on, yeah. mate. It's the way it works. Yeah. Even, I, I loved Even I loved if sometimes when you're playing Monopoly, even if someone pulls a, a whammy <laughs> like that and it's in the rules, but, you know, it's just it just hurts everyone. It just hurts the yeah, game. Yeah. Oh, shush. It this hurts was the great. vibe. It's, this is another. This is another like, chapter in a story oh. rivalry of Australia and the Poms in the cricket. And and what I like is even I was reading an article uh, earlier this morning from an English uh, journal, mm. sports journal, who said, "Take your uh, English cap off for a moment." This was the quote: "He's like, if I take my English cap off for a moment, it was a pretty funny wicket to see." <laughs> and I think that's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> I uh, I love how as soon as the ashes are on, people start writing poems and publishing them in the newspaper. But mate, we're a, we're a country of bush poets, all right? Oh That's yeah, where it is. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, did you see that article I sent through? I can't find it now about lions and you know about how him being the last batter on the field was the most epic thing ever. Oh yeah, with the calf injury, that was pretty cool. Like he, he I saw his post matcher with. Line obviously out with it, which what he said was a significant tear in his calf um, to come out and bat and be in that partnership of 15. Like he said, he goes, you never know how important 15 runs is going to be, yeah. especially so in an Ashes. I, I guess it deserves a poem, doesn't it? It does deserve a poem, I think. Um, I mean, look, probably a bigger poem if, if he had uh, gone out there and had a ton. I mean, that would have been for the, exactly. some of the ages. But, but, I mean, look, he did his bit. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> you know who does deserve a poem, though? Okay. Is um, the Australian Opals. Yeah. I, I, I feel like this is a, a tragedy. I mean, they won bronze <laughs> at the Asia Cup. Yeah. But I thought we were good. We are. Well, we are good. But we were also missing, I think, like three of our World Cup squad as well, you know. And the world's the world stage is challenging, mate. Okay, the world cha- stage is challenging. We beat the New Zealanders to get this win. Take the win as the win. All right. Japan had won five straight Asia Cup basketball titles. China beat them in the final to win that. Australia, we beat New Zealand to get the bronze. I think that that is pretty good on the world stage, Dan, and I don't like your attitude. Uh, I actually am cheering for them. I just was surprised that they didn't do better. That's all. Well, I mean, like... I'm sorry for disrespecting the team. You wanted him in the final. And I get it. We all wanted him in the final. But unfortunately, the only two losses Australia had in the whole tournament were to China and Japan. So it seems like the fitting teams were in the uh, in the final in the end. But that's pretty crazy for China to beat Japan after that long of a streak of Asia Cup titles as well. Also in basketball news, now I don't want to be disrespectful to Paddy Mills either because I think he's amazing. Mm. But I, I, can you explain to me, why is he being flicked around? Uh, well, it's just the silly season of the NBA at the moment. Paddy Mills is 34. He's a point guard. He played for my Nets. I really liked Paddy in the Nets. But what happened after the Durant and Kyrie trade out of the Nets? They went into, we need to, uh, instead of trying to spend all our money on big stars, actually start blooding some of the younger talent that they have in their roster. They drafted another guard uh, in the NBA draft uh, just a week ago, week ago, um, and it obviously meant that they were going to start shifting some players in that position. Paddy's a very valuable asset still to a team. So for the Nets to have a mantra of we're going to bring up our younger stars means that Paddy's on the chopping block. He didn't get many minutes after the trades all happened. So he got shipped to the Rockets, the Rockets re-signing Van Vliet and a couple of other players meant that they didn't really need Paddy. 
So the, it kind of gets really complicated that even I can't quite understand it. But in the NBA, you have multi-team trades. This was a four-team trade uh, involving Paddy Mills. This had the Rockets receiving him first after the Nets re-signed him. Yep. So it was a sign and trade. So he went to the Rockets. Then he got moved on again. And this time he now ends up at OKC, Oklahoma City, which is kind of good because he ends up with Giddy. Oh, right. So cool. two Aussies. So it's actually not a bad little spot. And to be honest, OKC are kind of a team on the up. So for him to end up there, I think, is a is a great little job there. The Grizzlies are also involved in that trade as well. The whole movement meant that Dylan Brooks heads uh, to the Rockets. Uh, so now Paddy Mills, uh, I think he'll stay put. I don't think he'll get moved on again. Um, but I actually think he's ended up in an all right spot, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah. So what about this Dante Exum who's back in the NBA and he's, he's got himself a little $2.7 million deal? Yeah, nice veteran deal. One year guaranteed minimum, $2.7 million. He was a number five draft pick. He's only 27 years old. But he uh, he was off in the Europe playing for a bit. He kind of... Kind of fell off, to be honest. Right. Uh, and then he went in, obviously he was in the boomer's side at the Olympics, and then he spent, I believe, two years in Barcelona and another side uh, playing in the Euro League or the ABA League, I believe it's called, where he won. So now uh, the Mavs, who tanked hard last year to try and score themselves a better draft picks and not have to give them away after a trade they made early in the year. It's a bit complicated, but essentially they didn't want to make the playoffs because it meant they'd have to trade one of their picks away. Um so they've tanked and now they've brought in a veteran uh, to add into their side to really kind of help them because I think they look at Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic and they go, we need some more backups here because Kyrie's, where's Kyrie going to end up? And what kind of Kyrie are you going to get each season? They're still a bit iffy on that. So he also joins another Aussie, Josh Green, who's at the Mavericks as well. So Aussies are pairing up all over the NBA. Uh, speaking of Aussie sports people on a world scale, Nick Kyrgios plays Belgian number No, he doesn't i got breaking news. What's that? Breaking news. As of this morning, an hour before we recorded here, Dan, Nick Kyrgios has withdrawn from Wimbledon. Oh, what? Yeah. Kyrgios has uh, made the call earlier this morning. He, Sorry, it was announced uh, just after 10 p.m. Aussie time last night that he would not be taking up his spot on court one against Goffin. This is another injury to Kyrgios. A wrist injury is not great in tennis, ladies and gentlemen, especially when you're a big server. Poor old Nick Kyrgios. I'll just tell you now, I've, I really worry about the future of his career now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I reckon that's a sign of being done. I really do think that maybe next year is his last year. He'll probably come and play the Aussie Open. Um, but yeah, that that's a big worry. I mean, I'll, I'll read his statement for you really quickly. It said on his Instagram, hey, I'm really sad to say that I have to withdraw from Wimbledon. I've tried my hardest to be ready for my surgery and to be able to step on the Wimbledon courts again. During my comeback, I experienced some pain in my wrist during the week in Mallorca. As a precaution, we had it scanned and it came back showing that I tore a ligament in my wrist. I've tried everything to be able to play and I'm disappointed to say that I just don't have enough time to manage it before Wimbledon. I'll be back and as always, appreciate your support. It's a worry when you start getting compounding injuries. Injuries on injuries is not a good sign. It's not a good sign. Not a good sign. All right, well, stay with us because after this short break, we'll be talking AFL and NRL. For most men, there comes a point he has to man up and lose some weight. Most fall over the first hurdle, trying some extreme diet or fitness regime that's simply too hard or unrealistic to keep up. That's why Manshake was created. Packed with protein and low in sugar, it's sure to keep you full throughout the day, not to mention it's only $2.49 a meal. Over half a million Aussie guys have lost weight the Manshake way. So join us at themanshake.com.au and get started today. 
All right, did you see this photo of the Port Adelaide game that's being spread around online uh, with the ref standing in the middle of a whole... Uh, huddle of AFL players in the Essendon versus Port Adelaide game. Yeah, it was really cool for the uh, for the goal that it was. <laughs> I love this because it, 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 I didn't know this in AFL when it comes to the calls that go upstairs from the umpire when they get reviewed. They call it a soft call, yeah. which I think is really funny to me. Um, but uh, yeah, this is great. This was uh, in what was an epic battle uh, down to the end with the Bombers. I mean, they found a way to lose the Bombers, didn't they? This goal getting stopped with a C. Uh, it was this goal making it rather with a sea of Essendon uh, players there trying to block it in the post. I love just this. He looked like a fan. Don't you reckon he just looked like a little fan? Yeah, he does. He does look like a little fan with his head poking through uh, there. Umpire poking his head through, getting a glimpse of where the ball was, made the right call in the end that it was a goal and uh, none of the Bombers players touched the uh, Sharon before it broke the pain. But uh, they actually chatted to him afterwards and he was saying that how panicked he was to, in the hope yeah. that he'd gotten the recall right because of how clear the footage was that he could see. <laughs> uh, it was a bit of a miracle goal from Dan Houston, amazing goal. Can I just give another mention of another goal that I thought was a miracle and it hurts to say being a Carlton fan, but Jamie Elliott from Collingwood, did you see this? That's I reckon it's goal of the year. Surely at the top of the list of goal of the year, chasing down uh, the ball as it was heading for a behind, he runs after it. Just before it breaks the plane, he knocks it back into the field of play. The ball bounces in front of the goal. He runs around the post back into the field of play and kicks it through for a goal just before it goes over the line. If you don't, if you haven't seen it, I don't know where you've been, but have a look at it. It is one of the most impressive. It's online. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. The hustle to try and like chase that down, flick it back in. I thought it was spectacular. Were you watching that because uh, you secretly going for the Gold Coast? No, I was actually watching the Cowboys absolutely demolish, oh. uh, demolish <laughs> the Tigers on the weekend, setting an NRL record of uh, margin, by the way. And uh, on the other screen was uh, Gold Coast. Getting getting pumped oh, right. by Collingwood. <laughs> just just staying on AFL for two seconds. Did you see Carlton had two wins in a row? Yeah, yeah. I'm not getting excited. Oh, you Leave me alone. You should have been winning these games when you were like weeks ago when we were on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk NRL. Your team, Souths, beat your other team, the Warriors. Yes, yes. My, my uh, stepdad was sending me some very uh, mean messages throughout this game. The Warriors fell apart at home, which is so upsetting. Wet day. Um, I was a little bit annoyed watching the first half with uh, the call to send off, I think it was Aiden Fanua Blake, for a high tackle when South had had three high tackles in a row and no one was even warned. And then Rabbit, the Warriors do one high tackle and he's sent for 10 in the bin. South run in two, two or three tries after that. It was a bit frustrating. But the Warriors just didn't didn't look the goods in the wet weather against South. They were a far better team. I thought the shine was wearing off South Sydney, but they played pretty well there over in New Zealand. Just disappointing for the Warriors to be on such a good run to then get back at home with a packed house in the rain, the fans braving the conditions to come and watch you and you put in a performance like that. It is quite annoying, um, but hopefully it's not a worrying sign of them dipping. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Uh, There was a bit of uh, excitement around the Knights versus Bulldogs yesterday. Yeah, I know that you've got this listed here as the Knights flogging the Bulldogs for, you know, the biggest Knights win in their history. But the Cowboys beat the bloody Tigers 74-0 for the biggest margin in NRL history. 
The Tigers, Give the Cowboys their flowers. The Tigers aren't exciting to talk about being beaten, though, because it's happened a lot. Neither are the Bulldogs. Yeah, but, <laughs> Neither yeah, are but the, the Bulldogs? Bulldogs, everyone's expecting them to turn around at some point. Who? Who? Who are these idiots that think the Bulldogs are going to turn it around? They are worse this year than last year, I reckon. And you know what? Yeah. We just mentioned the Warriors before. Two Penrith coaches were poached in the offseason. Everyone banged on about Seraldo. Even I was a bit like Webster. Is that the right person we're trying to get from Panthers? And my God, aren't we all eating our words? Webster's possibly coach of the year candidate if the Warriors continue their charge and, and stay in the eight. Meanwhile, Seraldo is struggling to get anything going for this Bulldog side at the moment. Big time. And the, the Knights, however, that big win, great for the Knights fans. Um, obviously, Bulldogs and Knights were... The exact same on the ladder. I mean, a draw pretty much split them because the mm. Knights had a draw with Manly earlier in the year. So you, you were playing a team that was just above you on the ladder and they put 66 points on you. So, I mean, that shows how far the gap is from 14th to 15, 16, 17. Yeah. You know I mean, like the Dragons got massive. people, Dragons got 40 something put on them, Tigers got 74 put on them in the biggest lo- loss in NRL history, yeah. and the Bulldogs got 66 put on them. Those three teams are awful. Get rid of one of them and bring in the PNG Hunters and make this bloody competition a bit more competitive down there because it is so bad, the footy that these three sides are playing right now, that it's embarrassing. And, you know, we know that coaches lose their jobs every year. I think it's like two or three every year tend to lose their gig. Dragons have already don't even have a coach. Tim Sheens ain't going anywhere because the Tigers are pretty much married at the idea of him and then Benji with the succession. But even the Tigers have shit the bed with that Fulton signing. That's a whole other story. Does Seraldo, do the Bulldogs look at Seraldo right now as a possible, mate, you could be done if you don't figure something out in the next, like, like this season potentially. Uh, the PNG Hunters. Is yeah. it, where did Where did you pull that from? Are well, they Are they likely to be brought into the NRL? No, they're just a fantastic side in the Queensland Cup. I mean, they play great footy. The PNG is are they massive? The, yeah, they're big. There, yeah, the players are massive. They're all yeah, PNG. That's what I was thinking it'd be <laughs> scary running on against a full team of Papua New Guineans who would all be over six foot. Yeah, man. PNG Hunters are like, yeah, they're a great side to watch. And also, Papua New Guinea, the only country in the world where rugby league is their national sport. So, Is it? Yeah. yeah I'm yeah, surprised yeah. by that. They're okay. super competitive in the um, – they're generally super competitive in the uh, Queensland Cup. I mean, this year they're having a little bit of trouble. They're at 10th, but they're a great team. All right. Well, if they're 10th <laughs> in the Queensland Cup, I don't know if they're quite ready for – the big league. Mate, 10th in the Queensland Cup, the way Origin's going at the moment, might as well be top yeah, of the yeah, table yeah, in New yeah, South yeah. Wales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I think it was just a few weeks ago we were talking about the Jets playing back in in the NRL. <laughs> and, I mean, they got pumped by the Dragons yeah. on the weekend. So, you know. Yeah, I think the Dragons feeder club is doing far better than the NRL. Much side. better than their first grade <laughs> side. Yeah, yeah. That's it for afternoon sports today. Please hit subscribe, follow wherever you listen. Also, share it with your mates. Big thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, Cell AED, the world's smallest defibrillator. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. Hi, it's David Poir here, host of the Employability Podcast. We have a new season of episodes for you to listen to. So if you're someone starting out in your professional career and looking for a way to get ahead in the corporate world, tune in. On the pod, we talk to a bunch of people from diverse backgrounds who have navigated their way to successful careers here in Australia. Find the Employability Podcast on any podcast app and click to follow. Listener.